discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by Neil Holin and Josh Cotterell for today's show. Coming up, on top of the familiar idea of dollar stores, there's a new budget-friendly option. Two yuan bakeries in China, offering breads and pastries at unbeatable prices. These spots are shaking up the bargain game. But are these deals too good to last? We take a deep dive into the business of the two yuan bakery boom. And we share with you what's brought us sheer delight this week. Join us for a dose of positivity, laughter, and all things that make our hearts sing. In Roundtable's happy place. Roundtable is your place for meaningful discussions and conversations, and we want to know what's buzzing in your thoughts. Got questions on social issues that keep you up at night, business mysteries you're itching to unravel, or perhaps the latest in tech that's blowing your mind? Don't be shy. Drop us an email or voice memo at EZFM Roundtable. Foxmail.com. Let's turn your thoughts into on-air magic. Now on Roundtable, as we move on to the next topic today. For consumers who prioritize affordability, nothing beats a good deal. Enter the latest trend taking off in eastern China's Shandong province and the southwestern metropolis of Chongqing. Two yuan per piece bakeries. Huh. These establishments are drawing long queues with their bread practically flying off the shelves. Social media is alive with posts sharing supposed success stories of profiting from selling two yuan bread, capturing the attention of internet users and those who look to start their own small business. So two Chinese yuan is approximately equivalent to 30 U.S. cents. What's your customer review on the bread, Nyoholin? I haven't tried one myself, but according to the pictures and customer reviews online, apparently these breads are not half bad at all. They're freshly baked. They have a diverse range of fillings like red bean, chocolate, and durang. And the combination of affordability, convenience, and variety make them particularly appealing to budget-cautious consumers and influencers. And you can get to see a lot of different short videos on the short video platforms, see people queuing up for such loaves, and they would love to get a taste. And apparently, many people would even say that I quit my job to start a business. And the business I'm starting is this Chu Yuan bakery, and I've gained my money back after the first month of business. I'm a little bit suspicious about that, but by the look at the bread, they are the kind of bread that I'd like to try. All right. And also, this is quite the departure from more expensive options sure. that we're familiar with on the market. So Josh, does this sound like a good business proposition to yuan bakeries. Yeah, well, I think I understand it. One of the reasons that I do is because in Europe, in my own country, in the United Kingdom, bread is the staple. I think that it's probably one of, if not the most important carbohydrate, um, along with potatoes in that part of the world. And they're extremely cheap. The production of this kind of staple product, like any staple product, is extremely cheap. And I guess maybe it's a bit of a phenomenon in China, or it's a little bit surprising because that's not the staple in China and most of Asia, right? Mm -hmm. It's rice. So, and but that doesn't surprise probably uh, you guys as much maybe, right? When you think about 
rice being so cheap. So for me, it's not that surprising because, as I say, in my own country, I mean, two yuan in the United Kingdom, I guess um, that's what it's about 23, 24 pence off the top of my head. And you can definitely get a loaf of bread or decent piece of bread for that much money. And the main reason for that is because of the economies of scale, right? Because it's low production costs and also mass produced and mass sold, right? So um, I think that uh, the high volume of sales obviously helps a lot. And um, I, I guess if these stores weren't so busy, that's the question really here, I think, is is it sustainable? Mm. Is this just a fad mm -hmm. or is bread, is to you and bread here to stay as a staple? If mm -hmm. it is here to stay as a staple, then I think it has a future. But I'm interested to discuss whether or not you guys think, you know, this is something that's going to stay or if it's yes. just a trend. Yes, definitely we will talk about that. But just to offer two more caveats about bread here in China in these bakeries. One thing, when we say bread, but actually I think a lot of people are also referring to pastries in China. Mm. So these are, right. you know, bread with like sweet fillings with different variations to it. And it's so it's not the simple loaf all the time. That's one caveat. Another thing is when we talk about mass production in uh, the UK, for example, I know there are some food factories that produce large amounts of breads. But here, what we're talking about, there's still pretty small bakeries, mm. in my opinion. And I do wonder if they can actually bring the cost down with production because First of all, they don't have a lot of people. They don't have a lot of big machines. And um, they're not selling that much bread if you're... It's certainly not a mini factory. So, and if you take a look at certain successful examples of these kind of two yuan bakeries, that is, first, yes, they are providing customers with freshly baked breads with all different fillings and stuff, and they are also saying that we're using the recipe with low sugar and relatively Ooh. healthy. Oh, and yes, and one key factor that contribute to their success is that they have to, like Huyang said, sell large amounts of bread to multiple customers. Um, it has to be around 1,000 or 2,000 loaf each day so they can make ends meet. And mm -hmm. that's the thing. I'm not really sure whether or not these kind of business model can last or can be that successful or stable here in China because bread is not the conventional staple mm -hmm. food that we would opt for. And with all different kinds of choices for breakfast, I would doubt oh. that a entire community of people would choose bread every single day mm -hmm. for a really long period of time. Mm -hmm. But apparently, these kind of business models depend on that. All right. But you have touched upon something I think is no longer just a trend. It's a phenomenon that is going to be here to stay. That is, we've got lots of bread lovers in China. Mm. And people have happily embraced this source of grain. And also, during COVID, lots of folks in America were sharing on social media how they were making sourdough themselves. Oh. And here in China, I think people also developed something similar that they... Also, people are more conscious about the food that they put on the table mm. and they want to know the source of it. And if they have the means and have the time to make it themselves, they don't mind doing it until, you know, after COVID, everybody's busy and uh, <laughs> you probably don't have the time to do that anymore. But certainly there is this newfound love for bread, which is kind of interesting. And these bakeries have undeniably sparked a considerable amount of social media attention. As a business uh, and entrepreneurial uh, proposition, however, 
When so many titles of social media posts suggest that one can easily turn a profit with minimal investment, it raises a red flag for me. So let's dissect the situation. And these businesses operating on such slim margins, are they genuinely profitable? And what exactly are their revenue streams? And here's a hint. It's not selling bread. <laughs> well, definitely. Actually, I've checked some of the posts. I see uh, some hashtag, I've just quit my job as a flight attendant to start a business. Some hashtag, I spent five grand opening such bakery and earned my 14 grand after the first month of business operation. And then in many, if not all of these posts, you get to see at the very bottom of the post, after sharing this very inspiring opening a business story, they would say, if you'd like to open a business yourself, you can contact me or send me a direct message. And there, that's the secret of this business model that is apart from the really diligently cooking and baking and selling the two yuan bread. What these, at least these social media posts want to do is to allure you into this business and giving them the fee that they need to learn about the so-called how to cook, how to advertise, how to pick location, where to get the material and all these information. So I would assume, even though I'm all for this two yuan bread bakery business, and if you can pick the right location and um, start your own business, it's definitely a good thing. Mm -hmm. But if you're only allured by such online posts, then I would be a little bit suspicious. And I would think that some people that are posting photos and videos are only out there to get your money instead of helping you start your own business. In China, like snacks and stuff like that are popular, right? When it comes to like street food and things like mm -hmm. this, but this isn't really a street food, right? It's, it's really something quite different. Well, it can be a kind of street food. I've seen vendors sell it, but maybe they need to come up with like some kind of niche or some kind of um, way to draw attention because if it's just a regular loaf of bread, yawn. So <laughs> actually on Roundtable, we have talked about bread and the bread market mm -hmm. and especially the relatively high end ones. They can be as expensive oh. as 20, 30, 50 mm -hmm. yuan per loaf. And that's a little bit extravagant in my opinion. And if you are buying that kind of bread, definitely they are a kind of dessert or the pastry that you have to quote unquote appreciate or have a special appetite for. But for these ones, if again, uh, many of the successful stories and the owner of these successful two yuan bread shops say that they are definitely there to serve the need of the community. So if they have relatively stable consumer group mm -hmm. and they are providing them with this price range, of product that is basically filling the gap of mm -hmm. a special niche market, then who's to say they're not going to be successful? Well, maybe in the future, mm. you can see in every residential area, there will be one dry cleaner, one supermarket, the smaller convenience store type, uh, and maybe a bread bakery, something like that. And 
That being said, I still suspect that for any kind of hugely profitable business, mm. there's something more going on. And when you look at how some of these businesses have expanded with the uh, Tu Yuan Bakery, well, you know, one is getting uh, franchises mm. in. And I suppose the ones who are kind of on the top of the pyramid, well, they'll get more money. And you might know where I'm going at about this, but this is only a suspicion, okay? And also for this kind of business to expand, let's say in the future, maybe to bigger Chinese cities, there's possibly going to be more obstacles in the sense that property prices or rent is generally higher or much higher in bigger cities. And I wonder um, how much that will eat into the profit margin of these businesses. And another way to make money, according to these uh, two yuan bakeries, is to sell classes. And these are training classes for more people to join the business. It's mm -hmm. not teaching, you know, regular folks how to make bread because they want you to buy the bread but it's like coaching people to join the business and it's kind of interesting to see like oh there's something's going on behind the curtain and also i think if anybody tell you this business model can help you earn money and be a millionaire and billionaire overnight red flag we are diligent and hard-working people and this business sounds like the kind of business that will require a lot of work mm -hmm. a lot of choosing of location and a lot a lot of bakeries so that you can sell your bread to a lot of customers it's mm -hmm. not going to be a business with a high margin but it can be sustainable if you make smart decisions and signing up for certain classes teaching you how to make someone your student students of that class is definitely not the technique or the strategy to go. <laughs> and what implications does this have for the bakery industry as a whole at the moment? Because if I'm a practitioner in this business, immediately I'm looking at my own books and trying to add and subtract and there's not much more math I can do. But the thing is, how come those dudes are selling at such a low price and it's possibly going to bring a movement of race to the bottom of pricing, and that could be a good or maybe a really bad thing for my industry. What do you think, Josh? <laughs> well, I think like any industry, uh, every industry is being affected by changing consumer habits. And we, we now see, as we've discussed many times on this show, that what consumers are increasingly wanting is a diversification, a personalization of products, right? They want different products. They want products that are more tailored to them. They are actually quite happy to spend more money on a product if they think that it is better quality or if it's more interesting. So I don't know if it's necessarily going to be a race to the bottom. I think that probably uh, it's going to depend really on just which business model manages to keep their bread business the most exciting in the same way that we've, we've seen, um, you know, like Chinese coffee brands as well have some success in this regard, right? So I think that probably if if this is not a trend and people still maintain an interest in bread um, as a staple, then I think what we're going to see instead is just some very interesting marketing campaigns and new flavors of bread, every flavor you can imagine, <laughs> much like the other day I saw coffee flavored with, I think I've seen coffee Baijiu. flavored with everything now, in China. <laughs> everything. Everything. <laughs> All right. Too many things. Yeah. Yeah. Coming up next, welcome to the happiest corner of the airwaves, Roundtable's happy place. 
Delivery. 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 What is it? Happiness from round table. What's your happy place this week? Well, my happy place is actually an animation called Cells at Work. It's a very interesting and a little bit unconventional one that I have appreciated because it also has some educational value. This Japanese anime has been a global hit, particularly popular on platforms like Bilibili in China, which is where I got to watch. And the series is celebrated for its portrayal of various types of cells at characters engaging in daily activities. To keep the body healthy, the anime's approach to personifying cells such as the red and the white blood cells, and there's the cells at work and the cells at work code black. So the cells at work is basically a healthy person's body, and you see the red blood cells trying really hard to transfer the oxygen from and to different parts of the body, and you see them happily working, helping this person maintaining a healthy state. Whereas in the Cold black one. You see someone who works too hard, who drinks, <laughs> who smokes, who stay up late all the time, and encountering all different kinds of diseases. And you see the cells trying hard, as hard as possible, but cannot salvage the situation. And it made me think about my lifestyle. And I think it's a good animation. I'd like to recommend to people. All right. And if your cells are defending you twenty four. Seven. What's your excuse for not、exactly. defending yourself and live a good life? All right, Josh. What do you have for us? Well, recently I had the pleasure of watching a film which I think is really quite popular right now, and it's called Past Lives. It was a film that was released last year, and I'm sure that many listeners have probably heard of it.、Um, it's produced by the very now、uh, world famous and popular A24 production、yeah. company. It's a love story which、uh, I think probably is quite relatable to a lot of people that have maybe lived abroad, and、uh, I, I don't want to ruin any of the plot, but it is about moving abroad、uh, when you're younger and then just having this sort of internal conflict about one's identity, right? Linguistically, culturally,、um, and then you know, family back home who speak a completely different language. In the case of this film, it is the language Korean,、um, and then the protagonist lives in the United States, so she's. Bilingual, right? But it's much more than that, and you start to realize this, and and these differences are then sort of shown. They're encapsulated by the two men in her life, I think,、um, mm-hmm. and it's just so much more than that. Beautifully written, really well acted. I really, really love this film. I also love the subtle portrayal of emotions and relationships. Really makes you think and. Reevaluate like different cultures, especially when they come to clash and sometimes interwine with each other. Really interesting film. Thank you, Josh, for sharing. And my happy place is an excellent new documentary called "The Greatest Night in Pop." It's all about the making of "We Are the World," which is possibly the world's biggest all-star recording of all time. Written by Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie, and produced by Quincy Jones, with 47 biggest American singers alive in 1985, from Tina Turner to Ray Charles to Billy Joel to Bruce Springsteen, joining forces to raise money for people starving in Ethiopia, and it's also the 39th anniversary. 
of the recording session. Mm. And this was before I was born. And I only heard of the song in the late 1990s in China. But already, I've heard of what it inspired. 让世界充满爱. Let the world be filled with love by Guo Feng. 明天会更好. Tomorrow will be better by Luo Dayou. With this film, there's a rich sense of tension. It's all about that one night of recording the song when everybody came after attending the American Music Awards. It was recording in vampire hours, everybody was tired and hungry, and time was running short. The film used the clock really wisely to the effect of Alfred Hitchcock having a bomb under the table. As stars streamed into the recording studio, they were all greeted by the single rule that producer Quincy Jones posted on the wall. Check your egos at the door. And the humanity on display in the footage was so great to watch, such as initially, without their entourage, the biggest stars looked timid, like kids on their first day Aww. at kindergarten, and singing in front of your peers, and worrying about if you mess up, <laughs> and Bob Dylan looking completely out of his element with this room of super famous people, and when Diana Ross and others started asking for each other's autographs, and the 26-year-old Michael Jackson when he opened his mouth, it was like listening to an angel singing from heaven. He was so shy, so hardworking, on top of being such a massive talent and so lovely to watch. And if you care about these artists, watching this footage some 40 years later feels enhanced by dramatic irony and sadness. These versions of MJ and Bruce and Billy don't know what will happen to them, but we do. And some seemed to stay on top forever, some didn't, and some have died. Naturally, it leads one to wonder if something like We Are the World could be pulled off today. I wonder if people still believe in the role of artists and goodwill in shaping social consciousness and fostering unity in an increasingly fragmented world. With this documentary, there is a sense that what happened in that studio on January the 28th, 1985, was singular and special. Was it the greatest night? I don't know. But this film will convince you that it was a special one. And let's have a listen of We Are the World. And that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thank you so much, New Holin and Josh Cotterell for joining the discussion. Thank you for tuning in. You can find us on Apple Podcast at Roundtable China. I'm He Young. We'll see you next time. There comes a time when we heed a certain call, when the world must come together as one. There are people dying. Oh, when it's time to lend a hand to life, the greatest gift of all.
Then help me hide.